and a good day to you, EOB Mafia. Welcome back to another Next Level installment of Evolution of Brand. I'm Jason Sircone, and today on episode 161, I'm sharing the mic with the arsonist herself, Angela Mulrooney, for an in-depth conversation about personal branding and thought leadership. As we tap into the evolution of Angela's brand today, we'll be discussing the pivot Angela made in her career and how that transition earned her the nickname The Arsonist, why personal branding is a vital marketing tool all professionals need to lean into, actionable strategies you can use to amplify your personal brand, and how podcast guesting plays a significant role in positioning you as a thought leader in your niche. All of this and so much more is ready and waiting for you on episode 161 of Evolution of Brand, right after a quick word from yours truly. You want to know the biggest problem with podcast guesting, EOB Mafia? Too many people are overcomplicating it. Guests are joining podcasts and going into sales mode, they're treating it like it's a performance, and they're not taking advantage of the incredible networking and relationship building elements that make the podcast community so great. Now me... I'm all about doing things right, doing things strategically, and doing things with ease. I've narrowed podcast guesting down to three core fundamentals that will allow you to leverage podcast guest appearances as a primary piece of your brand building initiatives. If you want to attract new clients, generate more revenue, enhance your network, and achieve undeniable results, then you need to check out what I have in store for you today. Visit podcastguestingsimplified.com to learn more. Angela Mulrooney, welcome to Evolution of Brand. Say hello to the EOB Mafia and share a time that you listened to yourself instead of what others told you was right, and it led to a major accomplishment. Well, huh. that has been kind of the the struggle that I've always had is listening to myself versus listening to what everyone else is saying. And the biggest time that that has worked out for me listening to myself was actually after I moved to Nicaragua and realized I was running all these businesses, working 100 hours a week, living in paradise, not actually enjoying paradise. So I made the decision to start divesting, which we also call burning things down, and got rid of all the companies that were distracting me from what I feel like I'm really meant to do, which is the personal branding side, which really what I do is help remove people's barriers so that they can change the world with what they know. That's awesome. And I'm really looking forward to having a powerful conversation with you today. And so I'm so glad that you're able to join me here on Evolution of Brand because we are going to put personal branding and thought leadership center stage. I'm very excited to hear your perspectives on these subjects and we'll dig as deep as we possibly can in the time we have together today. Before we do dig into all of those great topics, take a moment to tell us how your brand has evolved over the years and how you became known as the arsonist. So my current brand that I work on is called Unleashing Influence. And when I started that, it came out of a request because after I had retired from dentistry, I built Unleashing Dentistry's Potential, which is a business coaching company for dentists. And, you know, I didn't want to spend money on marketing. I wanted to see how I could organically build the company. So I took to LinkedIn, started talking about what I knew about niching, about passion, about dentistry. And in a year, I went from 200 to 12,000 industry followers. So then people started asking me, can you help me do that too? And I wasn't sure if what I'd done was a unicorn or if it was actually replicatable. So I started dabbling with a couple of friends' accounts and just said, I can't guarantee results. I'm just going to try this and let me see what happens. And what happened was I was able to replicate my results. So 
about a year later, I unleashed, I, I launched Unleashing Influence officially. That was January 17th, 2020. And then March 17th, 2020, Canada shut down uh, with the pandemic. And my team, I had two and a half uh, full-time team members at that point, And they said, you know, if you need to lay us off, it's totally fine. And I said, no, buckle in. We're going to take this thing to the moon. So by 10 months into the pandemic, we had 14 full-time team members. The wow. company just exploded because... A lot of the people that I knew were from the speaking industry and they were used to being able to go on stage and sell themselves and now they couldn't. And a lot of them also talking to the black hole of the camera versus having a thousand people in their audience totally changed the game for them because they couldn't bring the energy. They couldn't get out of their heads that who would want to listen to them by speaking to the black hole. So uh, it it was definitely an amazing move telling my team to buckle in and they were tired by <laughs> that point. And then uh, I continued on with that and then decided to, after I moved to Nicaragua, I decided that I didn't like having 14 full-time team members. It was, you know, I built this monster that was successful, but I didn't like it. I didn't like managing it. I didn't like worrying about all the moving parts. So I sold the agency part off and just narrowed down to exactly what I do best. So my niche of mastery really is helping people to figure out what their personal brand is about, helping them to pivot pivot oftentimes from corporate into entrepreneurship and helping them to actually build the business behind the brand. So that's all I do now. And honestly, I sleep so much better at night, not having that many team members and just focusing on what I know I do best. Are you working more on a one-on-one -on -one basis now without a team surrounding you? No, I actually work in group only. So oh, okay. I run 90-day accelerators where I take up to 12 people through their pivots. So we build out the personal brand, we do their packaging, um, teach them how to build content and create amazing video content where they're actually dynamic on the content and also all the automations and management of the business. So by the end of the 90 days, they have their business in a box, they're already launched and they usually will make their money back from their tuition in about two months afterwards. That's a phenomenal approach. And there's so much emphasis on that group training aspect and the community that it builds this day. It's awesome that you're running with that. I do want to jump back just briefly to talk to you sure. about the conversations you had with speakers that were in that space, because I've had a few keynote speakers and motivational speakers here on Evolution of Brand. And it's interesting to hear that perspective of how they made that adjustment during COVID, because it was such a turn on a dime. It just happened so fast that you go from the beginning of March, you've probably got all of these speeches and all of these presentations planned and then snap the fingers and all of a sudden that whole thing changes. So how did those conversations go and how did you get them comfortable going from a large auditorium of people talking to that little hole on their computer? Yeah, it was, it was devastating for a lot of people because you couldn't really say, well, we had this 30 day clause and you canceled me last minute because everyone was in this new boat that no one knew how to paddle. Right. And so there was first calming people down and saying, you know what, you can reinvent yourself. You can actually make money online. I've been doing it for a long time since I left dentistry. I built everything online. So I'm like, you can do this. We just need to adjust, you know, how you view this. And for a lot of them, they're brilliant, right? But the fact is because they were into something new and most of my clients, you know, are 50 plus. So it's learning a new technology. It's learning a new mindset and a new approach to doing things. And so that was a little bit challenging, but once they got comfortable and learned 
what I call captivation skills. So learning how to use your voice dynamically, using, using your body dynamically, using, you know, the space that you have with the camera dynamically, then they started to be able to hop on camera and do what they used to do. But it took a lot of self-talk and a lot of me talking to them. Oftentimes we were recording with me on the other side of the camera, sitting wherever I was in the world and just being there to coach them and stop them and start them again if they needed to. But we saw a lot of speakers who were amazing on stage really suck on camera. And yeah. it was disappointing for them because they were like top of their game until the pandemic hit. And then they got the playing field got leveled. And if you were good on camera, you pulled ahead. If you weren't good on camera, you got left behind in the dust. Now that's starting to even out as hybrid events are happening, but it was hard for a lot of people. Sure. I mean, it, it, it's habit breaking too, right? Like you are so accustomed to communicating with people in one way. And, and when that completely gets flipped on its head and it's no longer available, we oftentimes take things like that for granted until we no longer have access. I'm thinking back to the conversation that I had with Veronica Romney here on Evolution of Brand, and she worked with Tony Robbins, and even he was resistant to go the virtual route when COVID hit at the very beginning. And then look what happened when he said, all right, we have to do this. He created all of these worldwide virtual summits and does what he does he completely reinvented how everybody was going into that virtual world with those presentations but i can see that being it's it's just such a major shift it's absolutely going to take time and i'm sure to this day as we sit and record in january of 2023 there's still people getting comfortable with that type of approach but as you said the playing field is starting to level out and as soon as people are able to embrace that i think that's going to carry their efforts much further absolutely so let's dive into the personal brand space. As we, as you said, that is your forte, that is your domain, and that is where your focus is today. So let's talk about this as deeply as we possibly can. Why do you feel personal brand is such a vital marketing tool that all entrepreneurs and professionals really need to lean into? Because how we have decided to buy things or interact with people has significantly changed. It was changing before the pandemic hit, but the pandemic divided communities. We saw this, you know, if you were on the wrong political side, then suddenly your neighbors weren't talking to you. And sometimes your friend groups completely split up, depending on what your view on um, the whole pandemic was. And so people have spent a lot more time digging into the people that they're going to support, the people that they're going to put their money behind, the people that they're going to hire because they want to get people who are aligned with them. And so your personal brand really allows you to showcase who you are, what your values are, that you're a good person, not just that you have an amazing product or service. Yes, you still have to have that, whether you are going to get a job or you're going to be selling yourself as an entrepreneur, but people want to dig deeper into that and see really what you're about. And if you are still hiding behind that wall of professionalism and being perfect, no one believes it anymore right? They don't want to see that, you know, you have this perfect script and that you never make a mistake. They want to see the human side because that's what people are relating to. And when you talked about, you know, with group, people want more community, people are looking to bring their professionals into their community. They want people that they relate to, that they respect, that they can have a conversation with, not just that high level person on a pedestal that talks down to them. They want someone coming at their level who they feel like they can actually engage with. Yeah, the, again, going back to the community aspect, it allows you to gain so many powerful and positive perspectives. And also, to some degree, and this is just something that I feel we need to get better at in our communities, is understanding that there are going to be varying viewpoints that we come across, and it's okay. 
Mm-hmm. And you think of the divisiveness that we have in the world with politics being a big one and, and business. There's you name it. Everybody's going to put their opinion out there because they have a platform to do so. And again, that's okay. They are speaking their mind just as much as you would speak yours. And it's okay if you can have conversations about it and maybe pick up some new perspectives. I think we're just so quick to get entrenched in our own beliefs that we don't allow that type of thing to happen. And that can damage the community aspect, even if it's to a small degree. It's better if we can all come together and share these ideas and learn from one another. And that's how we're all going to grow collectively. Agreed. But it's learning new tricks, right? Like I said before, those habits can be hard to break. Yeah. <laughs> So on the personal brand side, Angela, let, let, let's dig into this because I, I'm a big proponent of this as well. I feel that having this in your arsenal is going to put you above those that do put their emphasis on building their professional brand first. And like you said, that's a big part of it. But I think the the key thing to remember in all of this is that we're all humans. And at the end of the day, we're going to do business with another human being. We're going to communicate with another human being, regardless of the technology that's available to bring us together. So tell us how you help people understand that this personal brand, whether they're working for a major corporation or striking out on their own with their own endeavors, how this personal brand can be this driving force that helps people fall in love with what they're doing and ultimately become a strong advocate for everything that they're putting into the world. What I feel about personal brand, when you mentioned like professional brand versus personal brand, those lines have really been blurred. And so, you know, we're seeing on LinkedIn, and I'm not sure that I completely agree with this trend, but we're seeing very Facebooky stuff showing up on LinkedIn yeah. with, you know, showing way too much personal. And it's not actually tied to your professional brand. And I don't recommend going down that rabbit hole, but your professional brand is your personal brand as well, right? So those are all one in the same, especially on a platform like LinkedIn. And the reason we need to be doing this is because we have this opportunity to audition all the time for our potential clients, for our potential employers, and showcase what we know. And what often happens with personal brands is people get in there and they just talk about themselves and their journey. And when you watch your content back and you hear yourself say I, and you really emphasize the I, then you've gone to the dark side of narcissism. Whether you're narcissistic or not, it comes across as narcissistic with your content. So what we need to be doing is generously sharing what we know, fearlessly sharing what we know, and not being afraid that someone is going to steal it or that not going to like it or, you know, who is ever going to watch this. We need to be constantly putting our information out there, not only for our audience to consume, but it also changes the way that we think about things. When we have to talk about it and we have to explain it and bring it down to a level not at our professional level, like we're talking to people who have the same training as us, but bringing it down to the level of our potential clients. So it's consumable. It's easy for them to understand. We start to understand it even more. And the interesting thing is, the more you understand it, the more you realize you don't understand it. And it's going to help you to start (laughs) digging deeper into your niche. Whenever I work with anyone, whether they're coming on a challenge, they're coming into my accelerator program, we are picking a niche. And that is one of the scariest things for people because especially if they've been in their industry 20 plus years, they have all these little shiny tools that they can use and they want to show off all their tools. But when we're building our personal brand, we need to really focus it and make it into a nice little box that someone can look at from all different directions and go, oh, I get it, right? It doesn't mean you let your tools go. It doesn't mean you let your expertise 
fall away. That's part of you. That's part of your journey. That's just ingrained in your brain and how you work with clients. But the way you put yourself out there has to be niched. It has to be focused and showcased that you're an expert in something. And the more you niche into it, the more you're going to be able to go deep with it. And you're never going to get bored uh, because again, the more you know, the less you know. And so it's going to keep you um, craving more information and you're going to become more and more masterful at it. And the remarkable thing about building that personal brand is when you put that emphasis on your niche, on, on what your specialty is, and you speak more to how the information that you're providing is going to provide a transformation for someone. They're obviously looking to get from point A to point B. Why are you the person that's going to get me there? Well, the reason is because you're sharing all this great information that's going to give me the tools to make it a reality in my life. Now they're looking at you and they have you up on this pedestal and you're not even talking about yourself. And like you said, when you do that, you avoid all that narcissistic I, 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 and you stop making your story about you and you make it more about your customer, your client, however you define them. Correct. And that been there, done that expert is what is highly desirable right now. So if someone doesn't want to just go with a coach who's like, well, I took my coaching training and I'm going to coach you in business, but I've never run a business before. Yeah. Right. They want people who have been there and done that, who are reaching back in their industry and pulling people forward to showcase them the simplest roadmap to get to where they've gotten to without having to make all the mistakes themselves. And with that showcasing of your knowledge, that is a great way to showcase that you have been there and done that. Not that you've just taken a course and you're trying to regurgitate what you learned in that. Having that actual lived experience and lived expertise makes a massive difference in who people are going to choose. Absolutely. And really, like what you're saying is you don't want to create this false sense of hope for somebody because that gets exposed very quickly. <laughs> and I think a part of that, and this is going to piggyback on the question because I want to go backwards for one second, but I think a lot of that stems from social media and people seeing the shiny, polished product that somebody puts out and it's their highlight reel, but they don't know how many years it took for them to get to that point. So let's try to take a shortcut and get there. This is what people want to see. But when you get on a call with somebody or you start working with somebody, you can quickly discover that the content they were sharing does not align with their actual expertise. And that can be a game changer in a bad way. But uh, yeah. well, speaking to that content, going back on what you said about LinkedIn, getting more of this Facebook vibe lately, how do you strike a balance there? Is there a way to strike a balance to where you're still letting people see a little bit of that personal side, but it's not dominating in taking away attention from the business side that you need people to see? What I always advise people is to, if you're going to share that personal stuff, like hyper-personal stuff, it still has to be linked back to the personal brand that you're trying to build as a professional. So, you know, one of my followers, she had, she had sent me this picture and she's like, I really want you to take a look at this and let me know what you think. Cause I could get banned from LinkedIn for this. And I'm like, well, maybe we shouldn't go down that route. <laughs> that was a red flag so, right there. Anyway, yeah, she had, she'd had a double mastectomy and she had a picture of her top list that she was going to post. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, like, how does this actually relate to your professional brand, right? If it relates, great. Mm -hmm. You can create a metaphor to tie it in. You might not want to use that picture, but you can use the situation and tie it in to sh show that part of your journey. And she was like, well, no, I'm just trying to make a point about this situation and raise awareness about that. But it has nothing to do with my personal brand. And so my advice to her was don't do it, right? Yeah. Because 
like what we're seeing again is stuff that people are putting out there that doesn't support your brand. It doesn't support that you are knowledgeable. It doesn't support that you're a high level professional, that you're an expert. So why would you do it? If you're just putting out content for the sake of putting out content, stop it. Yeah. Be intentional with everything. And if you're going to share something that is hyper-personal, make sure that it you can tie it in somehow to your professional brand. And if you're really just trying hard to tie it in because you just really want to share this personal thing, throw it on a different platform. That to me speaks so loudly to the need of, or the need to compartmentalize your social media platforms so you can have one platform where you're showing more of your personal side, or even if you stay on one platform, you have a different account. So it mm -hmm. doesn't bleed together. But to speak to that, Angela, I'm with you 100% because I think about it from the standpoint of if you have to ask the question, if you're leading with that, that should be the red flag that says this is probably not something I should be sharing. If I've got to get somebody else's feedback, there's more than likely something that's missing here. And I get wanting to have a second set of eyes on things, but still, if you're questioning it, you have to think about this long-term looking back on your deathbed. I've talked about this before. This is my thought process with social media. If I were to look back on something that I posted in my 30s and 40s when I'm 80, 90, however far I get, and I'm not proud of it, that's not going to make me feel very good. So mm -hmm. if I'm thinking long-term, I want to be able to look back and say the content that I'm sharing with the world is making an impact, and I'm proud that I put that out there. I think that will change your mindset whenever you're in that, hmm, should I post this? Should I not post this dilemma? Yes. And I think there is a reason to add vulnerability to your posting once in a while to really show, you know, this has been the journey that I've on, been on. This was me in the mud. This is my successes. But mm -hmm. showcasing both of those sides. But again, if you're going to showcase something that is really vulnerable, it has to it has to support where you're trying to point your brand. And that's one thing that people often don't do is they don't have this, I call it your North Star, of where everything is pointing towards. And that's always your, your check-in to see, does this actually make sense to where I'm trying to go? Or does this pull people in a completely different direction and confuse them? And if yeah. you think it could confuse them or it's polar opposite to what you've been trying to put out there, then don't do it. Whether it's vulnerable or not, whether it's highly professional or not, if it doesn't point in that direction, I just suggest you don't do it. Yeah, you can save yourself a lot of time and a lot of anguish because still at the end of the day, even if you have made those accomplishments, people can look at that and they can be happy for you and say, congratulations, that great. But they're still thinking, how do I do it? What's in this for me? And more than likely, you're not giving away this blueprint. So you're only going to be excited when you see somebody post something like that for a couple seconds. And in a lot of ways, it can turn people away from your brand because they're looking for the answers. They're looking for the transformation for themselves not so much that you made it. That's why sometimes I look at social media and say, I don't want to look at this right now. Like this isn't appealing to me. Like maybe I'm struggling to find the answers to or find a solution to something that I'm working on, but I go on social media and here's all these people that are saying they solved a similar puzzle. I'm like, eh, I don't need to see this right now. I need to go back to my own thinking and use my logic to figure this out. So very important to think about that whenever you're posting, writing, blogging, doing podcasts. It's all going to tie together. And like you said, Angela, point to that North Star. Mm -hmm. Can I speak to the blueprint that you mentioned? Absolutely. So I do actually recommend sharing your blueprint, not the whole thing in one sitting, sure. mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but share showcase those little pieces because yeah. as I said, everything is an audition. So if you are showcasing the best of what you know and you're sharing the information that people usually pay you for mm-hmm. in those little chunks, then people really get a, a feel of who you are and what you're doing and what you know. And oftentimes people are afraid to do that because they're like, oh, people are going to figure out my program, but they're not. Like if you're doing 30 to 60 second videos or like one to two minute read articles, you're only like very little, you're, you're scraping the surface on that stuff, but you are showcasing something that is going to hook people in. It's going to get them interested because they go, oh, that's interesting. I can use that. And then they go off and use it. And then what they get to a certain point and get stuck, they're going to come back. And eventually they're going to get to a point where they're like, oh, this free stuff only got me so far. And now I'm completely stuck. Now I need to hire the expert. And that's how you really get people interested and trusting you because you're giving them stuff that they can go off and play with and try to use for themselves and get some advancement for themselves without having to pay for you just yet. I could not agree more. And I should go back on what I said before. Yeah, I'm not in regards to the blueprint. Yes, sharing it in pieces, but what I was saying was you, you don't lay this whole thing out to somebody yeah. and yeah, this is the whole pie right here. This is how, you know, take it all in in one bite. No, like that's those small little chunks can help people yeah. learn so much about you and get the advice they need. It can start, it's almost like little, what do you want to call it? Breadcrumbs leading to the, <laughs> leading to the main place where you want people to come. But that's Absolutely. again, that, that that's all in how you build that personal brand, because the more expertise you're sharing with the world, it more it shows that you are leading with value. You're there to help. You're there to be of service. And if you're trying to hold everything in, people are going to see that and like, well, this person has a wall up. Why do I want to put my trust in that person? They're not giving me anything to make me trust them. And people can feel it, right? When there's that mm-hmm. wall up or you're not being completely sincere or you're not showcasing everything they can feel it and those spidey senses turn on and they go, oh, something's not quite right here. Mm. And they move on to the next expert. Well, Angela, as we're getting close to the end of our time together today, if a person listening to our conversation right now wants to put more emphasis on personal branding, on thought leadership, and we really didn't even get into the subject of thought leadership in (laughs) in a direct way, but it does apply to everything with that personal brand because as you build that content and you build yourself as a resource, you are establishing yourself as a thought leader. So we'll throw that in there. But someone listening to this right now wants to put more emphasis on personal branding and thought leadership today. What would you recommend to them as the first step they should take? I'm going to do some shameless self-promotion here. (laughs) I have a free challenge that happens every month that I'll give you the link for, but it's a five-day challenge and it is going to give you a really macroscopic but deep macroscopic view of what you need to do with your personal brand and so it'll make you think about how do I need to create content how do I need to look at my audience how do I need to do outreach how do I need to create my offer how am I going to manage this whole thing and so that would be a great place to start whether you've been doing LinkedIn for a long time or your personal brand for a long time or not you'll get a ton of information from that. And again, it's free. So I highly recommend participating in that because it will change your mind about a lot of things about personal brand as well as LinkedIn. Well, well, what, while we're talking about that, what's the link to that? And I'll make sure I share it in the show notes as well. It is courses.unleashinginfluence.com slash challenge underscore sign up. Okay, definitely click the link in the show notes. It'll make it easier. But if you did commit all that to memory, I highly recommend checking that out today. 
One last question I wanted to ask you, Angela. Clearly, you're joining me here today, so you see value in podcast guesting. How has being a guest on established podcasts helped with your thought leadership and positioning your personal brand in the world? The reason I like participating in podcasts and the reason I like my clients too as well is because people come at you with questions and make you think about your information differently because you may not have thought of that question that they're going to ask you or they ask it from a different angle and then they go deeper in a way that you haven't thought about your information. So what I find is it helps helps me and my clients to become more masterful at our niche of knowledge because sometimes you ask a question and it'll dig into my brain and I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to know more about that now. And so it'll take you on um, knowledge journeys as well that you weren't expecting. And for newer thought leaders, people who are trying to build their thought leadership, let's call it that instead, it really does help them to understand what they know and what they don't know very quickly and be able to speak off the cuff. Because if someone can see you speaking off the cuff, it's a different feeling than when you know, you've set up your camera, you've got perfect lighting, you got the script that you're going to go over and, you know, you do this perfect little video clip. But when people can see you like interacting for real and, you know, having to feel questions left, right and center, um, that actually levels up your expertise as well. But it also changes how you think about your own knowledge. Those conversations that you can have are so powerful and getting the opportunity to sit down with like-minded people and really geek out about your niche. It, it, it's yeah. so, it's not only powerful for your brand positioning, but it's just fun, which is, that's one of the big things I preach with people I work with is the fact that you get to spend half an hour to an hour with somebody and really dig into what you love. Well, Angel, this has been a ton of fun and thank you so much for all of the knowledge and all the wisdom that you shared here on the show. One more time before we get out of here, tell us how we can connect with you and get access to the link that you shared earlier. The best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn, and I'll give you the the link for that. I'm listed as Dr. Angela Mulroney, and then, of course, join the challenge and get some information, dig into your brand, and start leveling up what you're doing. Well, one last question. If you could go back in time and share one thing with your pre-evolved self that would completely change the game for you today, what would it be? Stop listening to everybody else and trust what I know. Going right back to that first question. I love it. Holy. Perfect way to tie things up. Angela, thank you so much for joining me here on Evolution of Brand today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jason. EOB Mafia, thank you for taking this ride with Angela and myself today. To get more from this episode, visit evolutionofbrand.com, click on the archives link, then go to episode 161. Or head straight to jasoncircone.com slash Angela Mulrooney for instant access to links, resources, and show notes. If you'd like to show your support for Evolution of Brand, rate, review, follow, and subscribe. It is all appreciated. But above all else, if you got something from today's episode, please recommend it to one person in your circle who you know will feel the impact as well. You've been listening to Evolution of Brand. Until our paths cross again, this is Jason Sircone reminding you to never stop evolving.